0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: Around 85% of the world's population is religious and 22% of the world's population is on TikTok. So it makes sense that a whole lot of religious content is making its way into people's feeds. So with more and more people of faith getting online, is TikTok about to become the new religious pulpit? I'm Tegan Taylor, and this is QuickSmart, the show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So what exactly is religious TikTok? How is the advent of the religious influencer changing the idea of faith? And how can we ensure people aren't radicalised by disinformation and those all-knowing algorithms? One person who's been mindlessly scrolling in the name of research is Sammy Shah. Sammy, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Why did you actually decide to pick up this story about religion and TikTok in the first place?
0: Well, I mean, one of the main reasons is exactly what you described. The numbers on TikTok are staggering. You know, so many people are on there, but particularly so many young people are on there. And for me, that's so interesting, given the religiosity of young people and our varying perceptions of that. You know, we tend to think that young people are increasingly secular, that, that religion, for example, religious belief and religious practice is dropping. But that may be true in Australia, but that's definitely not true in Pakistan or in in even the United States of America. And uh, so we just decided, let's do TikTok and religion. Do young people on TikTok believe in religion and do religious people look to TikTok for religious guidance there's there's things like Muslim talk and Jew talk and Christian talk and uh, you know what's happening in those spaces because I don't know about you but I'm 45 years old I'm not on TikTok (laughs) myself I have no place on an app that's so clearly designed for young people I want to learn more about it
1: I only see the TikToks that are popular enough to filter their way through to Instagram a few weeks later
0: exactly exactly (laughs) that's how we watch them it's the trickle down economics of social media but But uh, and and that, but that's you know my my daughter's on there my, much to my chagrin she's. <laughs> 14. Um, She doesn't post anything as far as I know, but she's very, very active in terms of, you know, reading things and from now and every now and then she comes up to me and she's like, look what this person's saying, what do you think about this? And it'll be someone talking about God or someone talking about science and religion and and those things. So I always find that religion and religious practice in the modern world find this way into strange places and a social media app designed by China, a fairly non-religious country, is an interesting place for it to end up.
1: Is there any way of quantifying how much religious content is
0: on TikTok? There are parts of the world where it's not easy to get TikTok. But just looking at a cross-section of humanity, a billion people anywhere, many of them will be, and I would argue most of them, We'll have some kind of religious belief. And even therein, what is religious belief? Is it just spirituality or is it an adherence to practical religion? So, you know, these are things that we kind of sort of explore in the God forbid episode. And the, the thing I want to say is the people we got were were a good cross-section. Uh, we had Dr. Nurhezatul Jamil, who is an academic. She's an associate professor in Global South Studies at Pratt University. But the interesting thing she does is she's compiling all of Muslim talk into one database, which is where, you know, many Muslims around the world go and discuss and debate and practice religious Islam uh, on TikTok. And there was Ali Cook, who's a social media consultant for churches because churches now realize that the priest on the pulpit isn't enough. you got to get the cool young people <laughs> on TikTok. And then there was a really interesting person, Her name is Miriam Izagui, and she's a 37-year-old conservative practicing Jew uh, who has amassed 1.9 million followers and counting on TikTok. 1.9 million. ABC doesn't have a single show (laughs) that has 1.9 followers or listeners or viewers. Every producer would completely retire on a (laughs) casket of wine if they had (laughs) 1.9 viewers. This is just a practicing Jew in Brooklyn who has that many people who she teaches about basic Judaism.
1: Right. So there's this idea of like reach in terms of understanding maybe what someone's perspective is from a religious point of view. And you're talking about Muslim talk and the people there are sort of talking about doctrine and wrestling with ideas. Mm -hmm. But then a big part of religion for a lot of people, and in a lot of religions, is community, and yes. there's sort of elements of that on social media, but there's also a real absence of that on social media.
0: Look, that's the whole point, right, of social media in theory was the social aspect, that you can connect to people and and for a while there briefly, it sort of maybe had that element to it, you know, you'd go on Facebook and join a group if you were into, I don't know, Stephen King books, then you'd join the Stephen King fan club on Facebook and you'd talk to other Stephen King fans and that was a social aspect but then became more and more, I think narcissistic, I think it's fair to say um, it just became about putting yourself out there and that is very much a part of this, but the comments Sections exist, and you know, someone will post something um, about religious practice or belief, or you know, on Muslim talk, for example, one of the things that was trending when when I started researching this was it was Ramadan, so they, they were talking about what's the best way to break fast mm-hmm. in the, your part of the world. And so, all these people are making videos and sharing videos, and other people who'd never, you know, who, for example, if you grew up in Australia in a Muslim community here, you don't know how Muslims in, let's say, Nairobi. You know, break their fast. And so the Muslims in Nairobi post their video, and then you have a chat about that. I don't know how much interaction happens in terms of that chatting, but I think the the idea of what is social has also changed because of social media for us.
1: Like coming to sort of a different maybe downside of this, if religion is what you want to be engaging in, if you were listening to a sermon in a congregation in a temple or a mosque, you've got a person in the front who is sort of qualified and Mm -hmm. there's also that sort of in-person back and forth, whereas kind of anyone can jump on TikTok and sort of start spouting their interpretation of texts and there's sort of not any kind of checks and balances there.
0: Yes, the imams in the Muslim community, the priests and, and theologians in the Christian communities and the rabbis in the Jewish communities were all saying that the problem they have is how the pulpit seems to have become too democratized. You know, too many people can claim to be experts with no expertise. And and because of social media and young people are easily influenced, they then end up getting a great deal of misinformation. I don't know how they're dealing with that challenge and problem. I think it's something that, you know, we've seen for example the death of expertise or the failure, you know, or, or the lack of trust in experts all of a sudden become a global crisis. You know, you see that in everything from COVID to, you know, people saying that the earth is flat now so you've got uh, similar things I suppose happening in religious communities it's, it, it is interesting to see them struggling with the same problems that secular communities that scientific communities that every other community has which is that the, the expert the person with experience and knowledge that is gained through years of dedicated learning is diminished in value compared to a teenager with a really good ring light in their bedroom <laughs> who knows how to who knows how to use the algorithm. Better basically.
1: The algorithm is what I did want to talk about because it's just so interesting. I'm a health reporter and I, I know that sometimes in that space, the sorts of ideas that float to the surface in with the algorithm are the things that are the most provocative or mm-hmm. the most sort of maybe, you know, pushing against accepted norms. And I wondered whether you're seeing that with religion and TikTok as well, whether perhaps it's maybe serving up more radical views.
0: I think um, that is a challenge always and continuously, because obviously it's designed to get you to interact and you're more likely to interact if you're outraged than if you're happy. So it will serve up things that are controversial. It will serve up things that are designed to get a reaction out of you. But then... I don't know. Some people just are good at using the algorithm to their benefit. Uh, Miriam is a GUI. Um, her content is a mix of two topics. One is Orthodox Judaism, which she talks about a great deal because she's a practicing Jew that way. But the other thing is her specialty is making wraps in which to carry her children. She's oh. she's She's got a few children and, and some of them are babies and she's really good at figuring out new clever ways of wrapping those um, you know baby carry wraps around her and new clever knots and things that work really conveniently. And that's become a huge audience base for her as well. Now, that's not controversial content. And I don't think any of that content gets, you know, or any kind of abuse compared to the, the anti-Semitic stuff or Judaism stuff gets. But at the same time, um, the the algorithm's pushing that as well. So I think it's about learning how the system works and then gaming it to make it benefit you, which is easier to do for young people who are you know, passionate about the social media than an elderly priest, for example, who you're going to have to explain how to hold the phone correctly before you even (laughs) teach them how to use TikTok.
1: So on balance, are we thinking that kind of there's downsides because there's downsides wherever there are humans, but that maybe It is a good thing. There's more voices. There's a bigger community. There's more visibility.
0: Are you asking for my professional opinion or my personal opinion? Uh, Because those are two different answers.
1: (laughs) Okay. Like, give me both. I'm interested to know how they are the same or different.
0: So the, my professional opinion is that any social media app is no different from any other social media app and the way people use that social media app is entirely reflective of their own personal opinions and choices and they, the algorithms exist as well as, as long as we know what we're getting into then the, you know that decision and what we do with it is entirely up to us and that's what we exist in, the world we exist in. On a personal level, I think it's terrible and I think it's a sign of the end times <laughs> because you see all these people just forcing the narcissism out into the ether and young people particularly learning more and more that the best way to get the rest of the world to pay attention to you is to be outrageous and to say shocking things and provocative things. And by the way, paying attention to you, it's not enough if your friends or family pay attention to you. You need 1.6 million strangers to acknowledge your existence. How is that good for anyone's brain? So do I think that TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and all these things are absolutely deplorable and we're making a massive mistake by helping these platforms (laughs) by putting our content on there? Yes. Am I also on there putting my own content out there so because I can get more views? Of course, because I'm a hypocrite. So that's that's where I stand on that.
1: Oh, well, I'd better let you get back to your book, Old Man. Sammy, thank you so much for joining me.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you very much.